healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the Basement Fellow Music Lover Geo. Now tune in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. And did you guys tune in to part one of our interview with Mr. Aaron Abernathy? If you did not, go back. Do not pass go. Just tune in. Listen to uh, listen to the last episode. And you'll be fine. You'll be caught up. We'll wait. Just hanging out here waiting. You good? You caught up? All right. If you listened to the last episode, uh, you know we uh, had part one of a remarkable discussion with a remarkable artist. Our friend Mr. Aaron Abernathy covered everything um, from, started with his music, but also uh, race in America. You know, we're talking uh, largely about D.C., um, but that is uh, it's sort of what you call a metaphor, kids. You know, you can extrapolate that out to your town. Because your town is, in fact, no different uh, in many ways. And um, heard a lot of hard truths. And coming on part two, you're going to hear a whole lot more. Uh, especially a thing about Whole Foods. Um, which, uh, knowing this happened, uh, you know, maybe don't go shop at Whole Foods until they fix their shit. But we'll let you get to that. Um, you know, like I said in the first one, Ab... Uh, crafted an album that is a uh, it's a it's a monument to the civil rights movement in the civil rights movement it's a living monument and uh, and it's, to my mind it's one of the most important albums of 2017 I hope you've listened to it if not there's a link right in the sidebar of this uh, to go check it out if you're like but Kevin I don't like soul music that's okay uh, you like Marvin Gaye right so do that you like Sly and the Family Stone you like Curtis Mayfield it, you know, this succeeds by uh, tapping into a classic tradition of of art that uh, that succeeded wildly and penetrated color lines, uh, gender lines, socioeconomic lines, and uh, dialogue is the same thing. Dialogue is this album, and uh, now we're gonna continue talking about it. So, if you guys are ready to head on down to the basement, uh, we're gonna rejoin. Uh, me and my friend Mr. Marcus Dowling sitting down with Mr. Aaron Abernathy and uh, his friend Chris. And uh, so hang tight. We'll see you on the flip side. And even that is a risk. Like, what was Ant telling us earlier? He was like, um, you know, the album came out this week. And I told he asked me, he was like, you know, what's up with the write-ups? You getting any write-ups? And Chris was telling him, like, yeah, we, we're working on that. Mm-hmm. He was like, we're not really getting write-ups the way that we got write-ups on Monologue. And my brother literally said to me, he was like, it's the Kaepernick effect. He was like, you might fall on the sword on this one. Because this one is, he was like, it's not a, he so, was like, it's, it's a little, um, yeah. he was like, it's a little deeper 
He's like, monologue is fun, man. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's fun he's records like, on there. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, funny. Look at that guy. He's safe and charming. There's a whole narrative point that I wanted to bring up, and I didn't bring it up on yeah. the album review, but I'll bring it up here because I was thinking about it. Um, industry's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't heard a record this good in 15 years. Man, thank you. So, like, That's crazy. We, we, we've, we've, and, and we've talked about music 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So there was... The greatest thing about the industry 15 years ago in R&B was that you could be like Cody Chestnut. Yeah, man, come on. So yeah. that yeah. Yeah. Headphone masterpiece. Yeah, Cody Chestnut we was all over that. headphone masterpiece. Right. In his bedroom and while, or something. And yeah. while there wasn't a second record available to him, the roots were right there as like the secondary look to the left. Like, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. so you, you're dope. Um, mm-hmm. You need a check? Yeah. Sing the seed. Let's right. make this... Like, sing the seed. Well, we yeah. got you. Boom. There it is. Yes, Ray just posted something about that, which is where I think you're going with this, about instead of reaching down and reaching up, into what we said. It's like, reach laterally. We just talked about right. this. This, this, this has been, this has been our today. mantra for, yeah. from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating yeah. now because I feel like we're at a place in the industry where when you – and you, you – I'll put it like this because you'll understand this. You made the second record that, like, a guy like Cody Chestnut couldn't make. Mm. Because Cody, if you look at him now, now that he's had that opportunity to make like second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth record, yeah. he's like gone so far out yeah, yeah, as a creative where you're like now he's like literally wearing pith helmets. He is. And you're just like, how'd you get there? And it's like, well, <laughs> he's still when you're done. that level of creative, <laughs> no. yeah. you're just like, boom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end up here. Yeah. So there's a thing though in you being in this space that very few other independent R&B artists have ever been. Mm. And it's like, because I want to say this to you, like, I, privately, but I'll say it to right. you publicly. Hey, let's do we're, it. We're all, we're all friends here. But um, <laughs> there's a thing in being in rare space mm. that nobody in the industry has been in in 20 years mm. where you can do whatever you want. And people might not write it because right. they don't know to write it because there's not... A machine there has it. not been a machine there's not a but there's never been a this are, album has not existed are you saying oh, you don't have to wait for a miracle you can create your own <laughs> bam yeah. I mean yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so that's yeah. the thing it's a fascinating space because yeah. like yeah. I mean so it's funny because like if you look at somebody like Macy Gray because yeah. Macy Gray made the second record but again and she's the only person I could think of when I was trying to think of people who had that like underground to mainstream buzz who made a great mainstream record mainstreamish record that had some kind of like you know yeah push and then the second record comes and you're just like wait and it's and it's a slightly different record because it's honest at that point to like it's a it's another level of honesty that you've reached into yeah because creatives true creatives only know to reach down it you just have to keep going deep and being vulnerable and so yeah but think about it though like that's the thing it's like this is the growth the growth record. Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. Because people, especially in this generation, as like a black writer right now. Yeah. We only get to write and this is a point about being black and being creative in America in 2017. You only get to write about the first thing. Mm. Because the mm-hmm. only narrative that people want right now from black America is new and fresh. And progressive, yeah. but there's nothing 
that goes to this point of like living. Yeah. And existing. Yeah. And making sure that you are taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, give you somebody like Moses or somebody like Solange who are making these records that are like crazy, super progressive, like Blood Orange, you know, like yeah. Devine yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. making these records where like literally if, if, if the people don't write about this record, these are people who could like creatively die. Yeah. Because the level of humanity that they're putting on the line, if you don't write about it, like if Pitchfork didn't write about the Dev Hines record or if Solange put out Cranes in the Sky, people were like, oh, Beyonce's sister made another record. Right. Yeah. It was, it was kind of cool. Right. You know, like that's the thing. It's like, so when I listen to what you've done, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I'm just like, man, this is a weird thing. Because, <laughs> you know, like Ab's not like lost his mind. And he hasn't, like, gone too crazy, but he's writing about really, like, expected things yeah. that, like, aren't, like, I slit my wrist and right, play it on right, record right, right, to, like, right. let you know. So well, it's, a fascin- it's, a, it's a fascinating space he, to be he, in. Here's what I think you expect from any album you hear, even if it's deep, like, some level of ego. That's that's stripped out of this completely. Yeah. yeah. There is. Yeah, there, it's there, not about a... I mean, there, there just isn't. I, I, I've... I've Listen to it every day for four months. <laughs> I can't find it. There's no, it's nowhere to be found. It's, um, so let's talk about, th- man, when I tell you, like, there's, um, I'm still learning from this record. So, like, I'm talking to my mom about it because, like, my mom listens to it. I love my mom. She's just like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> make a, a whole lyric. song about her. Like, make a lyric sheet. So I make her a lyric sheet and send it to her. She's like, this is deep. And so then she was like, there's, so there's four topics that we're talking about on every song. My mom is a teacher. All right. And so she said, these are the four topics. There are four dialogues that are happening in every song. There's an internal dialogue. There's a historic dialogue. There's a contemporary dialogue. And there's a futuristic dialogue in every song. She was like, if you go through everyone and you and you you every song and you think about that, she's like, that's amazing mm-hmm. that there's four different dialogues within. She was like, that's what this whole album is built on these four dialogues. But, but break that break that out further, and this is why this works. Uh, uh, not to get like all like hippy dippy or anything, but what you're talking about. Please do. I like that. Let's go. You guys hang out a little bit. We're hanging. Please. You know, so if if you think about it in those terms and think think about music as math, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And think about crystals as math, right? Yeah. So what you're talking about is that each part is four parts. Mm-hmm. You put all these four parts together and you're still talking about essentially four parts. Yeah. You're talking about like those specific themes throughout the album broken into chunks of songs. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why if you consider like a universal resonance that we all have the ability to tap into either to create or appreciate, mm-hmm. maybe that's why this album works so well right. because you got it humming along and all of a sudden we're just like, yeah, I'm getting on that. Mm. What a song that I, I do not care for, but you know, it's an ultra light beam. I <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's, uh, I like that song. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a highlight. <laughs> well, you know, you know, lemonade's not for you. 
Yeah. Pablo oh, yeah. wasn't for me. We, we, yeah. We've had that yeah. conversation about Lemonade, too. So yeah. it's, I love that It's record. a thing where I feel like, um, and you can maybe speak to this, like, I think that the best songs on the record are the ones where you find the agreement. Because I'm a big believer in, like, you know, multi, you yeah. know, the agreement theory of, like, you know, like, any sort of, like, you know, like, psychology and understanding. Right. And the idea that you reach agreement between these four, like, you know, concepts. Yes. And, those are, and to me, those are the strongest songs. That's why Generation stands out. Right. Because, or, and, like, Villain Enemy stands out because you go through all of these spaces and, like, the Venn diagram hits with, like, a perfectly, like, you know, exactly. symmetrical exactly. thing. And in the middle there, it's a, it's a defined middle. Mm. And those are the ones when you, when you hit it and you listen to it and it agrees, then you, you kind of, like, know and I think that's the the lesson of the album is that when you listen to those songs, yeah. you know where to go next, like yeah. intrinsically because you found that <laughs> agreement. And and there is, believe it or not, we're not a facts based podcast, so I'm not going to tell you the name, not because I don't know it. But there is <laughs> there is a concept based in this of of what you're talking about, like these things locking together. You find it like one of them is the Fibonacci sequence. It's not that, okay. but it's like how everything like spirals out, and you can find this thing in everything. Right? Maybe we haven't looked at it. Maybe we'll do that. Hey. Can we find that in this record? Wow. Would be completely not shocked if right. we found uh, that in this again. Record. Like right. I'm a, I am the vessel because right. I I don't. I'm dead serious and when I was, when I say it. Like if I just, it was anybody else but you, I'd be like. Get this clown out of here! <laughs> but because no, I'm not, because I'm I've, not no, but, no, but, no, but, you know, but because I've heard the music buffer, and because I've looked you, know. you in the eyes and and you're you're it's not even sincerity. It's just like, dude, I'm just telling you. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, this guy Chris was there yeah, with I me. Mean, I remember I made this. generations and I called him like, I don't even know what I just made, but I'm gonna send. I sent send him a voice, voice note, note voice of it, like, listen, listen to this, listen to this, you know. And so, like, I was like, I'm going to put a filter on it like I'm speaking on a megaphone. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's like, what are you talking about? So, you know, so Chris, first time you heard the finished product, what went through your mind? Oh, man. The first thing that, I mean, we go, even going before getting the finished product and listening to it, mm -hmm. there were, like, some really, like, pivotal moments, I think, just in the creation of it that I was just like, okay, I think that you're onto something. Mainly, it was during the 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 early recordings, and he was just like, "I don't know where all these songs are coming from. Like, I don't, I can't really explain it myself." And he was like, "I think I'm making the most important record of the year." This was in like January. It had to be in like January. Yeah, you know I told him I was like, "There's the ego." I, I was like, <laughs> I, "I was like, uh, as, yeah. as the friend, I'm like, oh man, that's cool, man." But you know what I mean? Like, right. let's you know what I mean? Maybe tone it down a little bit. I remember I told him I was like, "God's doing something to me." Yeah, like right. I think I that he's like, I'm, I I don't feel in control of what is happening right. with this. You know what I'm saying? Like, so a lot of the times we both kind of felt like we were observing it at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Because he would go in and he would just be like, well, banging. he would go that in and bang out a whole bunch of stuff. And then like, we would both listen to the finished product and be like, man, what the hell did you just do? Yeah. You yeah. Know? And that's kind of where it started. Once I got mixed, mixing and mastering. Oh man, yeah. that was. So we got, when, when you finished and you had the sequence and all that stuff, we got uh, the first mix and master and you were in New Orleans. Yeah, because what that, happened that was I, I was 
I was like, I'm going to finish it before I come out of there, come out there. And I will have the master version. I was like, Listen I will have the mix and master mm-hmm. cool. version. And okay, so Black Milk usually mix and masters my albums. I put a premix on. I put a main premix on my on my records, so it guides him in a direction he could go. But he mixes and masters it. He be like, he always tell me like, man, you got this leveled out right. I'm just going to like enhance it. Right. Black Tours ACL. He has surgery. And he forgot to get his computer out of storage before the surgery. Right. So he couldn't go lift his computer. So I had to get someone else to mix and master it. Oh, my God. So oh, I was man. like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to my Spanky and John, yeah. Columbia Knights. I'll figure out who mastered their album. So I get with my man. He's dope. Super dope. Um, when we got to, You could talk about this. When we got to New Orleans. Yeah. So he comes to New Orleans with the, the mixed mastered version. And... uh. We're sitting in the car listening to it. And you were nice and cold. Yeah. Like we're sitting in the car listening to that mixed and mastered version. And we both kind of look at each other like there's something not right with this with this mm. mix. It, it sounds too spaced out. Like the tracks are too disparate. Like there was something about it that that was missing that we could feel. Right. And it didn't add up to the content and it didn't add up to what he was saying. It didn't make you feel what yeah, he was saying it was hollow it was it was really hollow so he was pissed you know I was pissed, because i was like man. you're gonna have to like he just he just looked at me like yeah this ain't gonna this cut is it. not gonna do it yeah. he was like you yeah. gotta go back and um i know you just like dropped some i was like it's gonna money. feel like you literally just like, burned all this money he was like, like you gotta you're gonna have to go back i remember going inside of dreezy's house and um call him black like man listen to this and he listened he was like yeah because black mastered it right he he was like when i was mastering it he was like ab you're gonna have to i remember him telling me like man you're gonna have to get some like new equipment because something he was like something ain't right and i was like man i don't think it's me i was like i'm gonna send you my original mixes Thank God, like I had my it's computer Adam, on right, me, right, and yeah. I still had like all of the stems. Yeah, and no, we I had just, to do some wild shit. Like, yeah, you know, where get did the we, hot spot? We, like, we had to we had to go to my best <laughs> friend Stevie's house, find the, the internet to friend, try to bounce all these and, files. Like, we had to bounce all of these files to black. It, it took like all day. We were yeah. like leaving the computer there, and I had right. to figure out a way to keep my computer from like not um, going to sleep. Going to sleep, it was the, crazy. Yeah. And so once I got everything to him, he was like, "Oh." It's not. He was like, your mixes sound. He was like, your mix sounds better than the mixes you gave me. Right. He was like, let me get at this. And when he got at it, did he get at it? Yeah. Like that thing came out with the grit uh-huh. that we needed it to have. And it's what you're hearing now. But one thing I will say about the guy that, that mixed it originally, he laid out tracks six, seven and eight. He, he laid out human actions matter that's his wheelhouse right. his wheelhouse is the spacey places right. that aren't gritty he doesn't do grit See, he's good at the atmosphere yeah he, uh, i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. it's human action matters nowadays and forecast he laid those out he laid them out yeah it's a it's a crazy thing and i think that that there's, there's, there's a thing with this album that in, intrigues me is when i listen to it it sounds like a classic motown stacks record in the mix mm-hmm. and master because I can listen to it because I, I, I was executive director of a recording studio for 18 months. Right. And it's one of those things where, like, it changed my life with the way that I listen to music. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Authentic. Shout out to Sergio Cortez for teaching me everything I know about 
how music's supposed to sound. Right. Um, there's a thing about the way that all of the great Motown and Stax records were, were mastered. Yeah. And how there's like a limit that's placed on the record. Yeah. That's like a step below maxing out the entire like track mm-hmm. yeah, where you listen to it and you know that there's something that's higher. Yeah. Right. But you don't know that it's, you don't notice that it's there unless you're like a big old nerd. Yeah. What you're a noticing. Super audiophile. Right, yeah. What you're noticing when you listen to it is just how heavy and dirty the track sounds because right. there's no space for the dirt to go. Yeah. Right. That was one of my things. I was just right. like, this sounds too clean. And then right. Like you have to, like, but, it's, but it's not like you get rid of the dirt. Yeah. You keep the dirt. It's a big thing that a lot of producers do now. We have to get rid of all the dirt. The right. Track no. Yeah. Pristine, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like you, you just get rid of the top and you keep the bottom and like you just let it reverberate and it, it, it's, it, it called, goes against everything you're taught. It's right. called keeping the character. Right. Yeah. Of the record. Like there, um, like a lot of people, man, a lot of these records are one takes generation, one take restriction. I remember I sang the, rest- I was saying all of restrictions as a reference because Malik was, um, Malik was coming through to play bass. Sounds Malik, like Malik. Malik hated me for, uh, the, I remember him and Hakeem were there that day and I was like, I just had the the drums. I remember Malik came in. And I had the dip dip da da sha da da dip. I had all of that with the eyes right, and all of that yeah. stuff. And he was like, "What is this?" And I was like, "This is the record we're working on today." I was like, "I made these backgrounds before you got here. I laid the drums before you got here. This is the record we're working on. Hakeem is coming over. Uh, I'm gonna have him play keys on it." I, I showed him the key part. I mean, I was like, um, "Let me sing a reference real quick." And my mic stand broke. Oh so God. like I had to sit at I had to sit at my desk. It's on my Instagram. There's like right. you, it's sitting. My mic is like upside down on my desk, mm-hmm. and the two speakers are next to it. And I'm sitting like I'm sitting now, singing restrictions with my headphones on. And I remember like going through the whole song, um, and I knew the verses because I had just been like, like I just freestyled them like and like wrote them down. Right. And then I'd just be singing them in the shower. And I was like, I got to lay this record down, you know, say like two days later. And so um, I remember Malik was in my studio. Like there's a lot of stuff behind like the pictures that I put up. So Malik was sitting in the red chair in the corner. And I was like, I'm going to lay this down while you tune it up. And I remember I sang the whole thing. And like, like even when I get to the end, like, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy on us, my God. How am I supposed to survive off $11 an hour? I'm just like, where is this coming from? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just singing. Like, I'm singing the record. And I remember I took the headphones. And I was like, I got to do for now. And Malik was like, that will do for the record. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and like, he Malik hadn't even, right, yeah, right, like, right, right. he hadn't even like, he was just like, man, he was like, you sitting down. He was like, that sounded crazy. And I was like, and we and we just kept it like that yeah, was that. That's it. Yeah, like, that's that was it. That's <laughs> what you hear. Like I never went back. Like that's what it was. Well, and maybe that 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 is what makes the record also have this weird energy. Mm, like, yeah, it's it doesn't. It's not overproduced at all. Yeah, even yeah. though you have like forty versions of you singing right. on any <laughs> on any given <laughs> any track. moment. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, but it's not over overproduced. It sounds like organic. Yeah, I tell yeah. people um, a, a friend of mine in a punk band in Richmond. Uh, she asked about it, so I sent it to her, and she listened to it, and she said, "This is crazy." I'm like, "Yeah, he did it in his basement," and she's like, "What?" 
Yeah. <laughs> what, that's that's what, what Elise said to me. Exactly. What, is, what are you even talking about? I'm like, dude, you know our setup, which is basic here, but it's like you can do shit in basements. Yeah. Man. And I was like, he did it in his basement all the and that was actually when I was sending out stuff to friends. Yeah. I was like, a lot of people, especially in like the upcoming, like say folk community, like down in North Carolina, mm-hmm. come from like DIY backgrounds. So they, they respect, yeah. they don't understand that. The yeah. difference in doing it in like a basement of something like you is that you got your shit built. <laughs> Like, yeah, like it's not just like in a basement. Like, well, I have a microphone, and maybe okay, we're just gonna do this. There's no lo-fi shit about it. Uh, you just have to find. I don't. There's. I just have to find. I just have to find a way. You find the tone. Yeah, there's like kid, there's kid Vincent Perry who submitted a track to us a while back, and uh, I think he was covering Frank Ocean or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just the cover nostalgia, and because he was. So enthusiastic. Like, occasionally I get time to go through and do this. I'm like, yeah, man. We're just going to, like, feature that track or do something else. And I listened to it, and it sounded, like, flawless. It sounded produced. And I, I emailed him. I said, so what, like, where did you record this? He was in Atlanta. He's like, oh, I built a voice box in my dorm room closet. Smart, smart <laughs> man. Of course. And now, smart man. And now, yeah. and maybe... Uh, now, if Victor, he listens to the podcast. If you listen, you know, he's in so- he's in New York with a deal with Sony. Very similar to what you're talking about. Yeah. Doesn't have a record deal, but is yeah. to, to work with stuff. Yeah, that's dope. So, yeah. Uh, you just have to find a, um, you got to find a way and you got to find a, I love my studio, man. I don't, I don't record yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. I just went to Omega for the first time with Cecily. I was like, this is nice. <laughs> but I would still rather record in my space. Like I understand yeah. it, I know it. Under, uh, understanding space. it is is half. I mean, that's that's part of being a musician. Period is understanding your instrument, whether or not it's your voice, your keys, like my guitar, yeah. like whatever. That piano, even when it's tuned up, yeah, it's gonna like it's not gonna sound good. But I know that piano from when I was six. There you go. But question then: um, What's your favorite tone or quirk that you have? in your music now that strictly comes from out of your basement. Cause I asked this only because when I was at, when I went to Motown, mm-hmm. like I took the Motown tour and I went to, you know, the building, they have this like echo chamber that's built into the middle of the building. Ah, so that so, when yeah. you, when you do like, so this is funny little side. They, when they do the tour, they ask for somebody to sing the, the first couple bars of baby love. Yeah. And it's still the only song that I can actually like sing. Yeah, like I sang until I was like fourteen until my voice cracked. Right, like I was like in mini a choir, and then yeah. my voice cracked. It was like done. It's like the only <laughs> song that I could. There's like very few songs that I could still like hit all the notes in like a, a comfortable register, and yeah. feel like I could actually still sing a little bit. Yeah, so baby loves on that list. So I hit the first couple bars, and you, when you sing into that echo chamber, yeah. what comes back down is the magic. Yeah, that's that dope. makes all of those like great Motown songs like happen, and that's the way that that building was uniquely built. Like there's yeah. this like where a chimney should have been. Yeah, they, they built the studio B, and it's which shot straight up. That's dope. That's and if you stood, that, but, and if you stood in a certain spot in there, yeah, and you sang up, it would come right. Wow. So do you have anything like that in the basement? I want to ask. Um, I don't think so. I think that um. I think with my music, what makes it interesting is the 
I guess the will to find to find what it's supposed to sound like. Mm-hmm. Cool. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that I will man, and it's funny cuz this why I said with well, this album is different. I didn't have to do a lot right. to find it. Like it was just a spiritual journey to it's like a love song on behalf of my people and to my people at the yeah. same time. So, I think it's just the will to find the story to tell. You know, like I, I look at my albums like books. Like monologue is a book. Dialogue is another book, you know. Epilogue will be a book. The album after epilogue will be a book. There's just um I say this to Black Milk all the time. Black is one of my best friends as well. When you guys listen to my music, do you know who I am as a person? Mm-hmm. That's the strength. Clear as day. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. That's, the strength. Yeah. that's that's all I got well, that's for it. you. And, that's and, all and I that's, got. And that's, I think, rare in the industry, period. Absolutely. But it's not rare when you consider back to what you're, um, you're talking about Motown. The way things happen like that is mm-hmm. because somebody had the self-assurance and the belief in themselves to be like, oh, fuck, we got this big hole here. What do we do with it? Yeah. Do we spend $30,000 fixing it? Right. Or do we figure out how to use it? Right. And and the great art always, always comes from that. You have playing. Mm-hmm. You have writing. Yep. That side of it. The, the intellectual, both are intellectual. One is different size of the intellectual. Mm-hmm. But then the great art is, is something – uh, it's soul. You, you you can't define it. You can't no. find it. You can't, and don't look for it. And my thing you is, know it when you hear it, playing is writing, and I think that's what people don't understand either. So I think like, I, I think it can be. There, yeah, there are two sides to it. So like, if you want to, oh, there is an instrumental for dialogue as well. Like, yeah, the instrumental version of it. When I listen to that, it's it's. it's it's an experience in itself because right. it's composition. I, I, I will raise my hand and say, I would listen to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, if that comes uh, my way, yeah. I would gladly listen I'm, to that. We work, we're working, we got a lot, we got a lot we're working on. So, but um, I'll, I'll say this, that um, one of the things, one of the things that I love about having a space and having my basement and, um, and working out of it is that, I get to compose music whenever I want. I get to write music. Writing the writing is probably the most important to me. And when I say writing, I'm talking about both sides of it. I'm talking about the lyrics. Actually, it's three sides of it. I'm talking about the lyrics. I'm talking about the composition, and then I'm talking about the melody. Mm-hmm. So the melodies that I sing and the counter melodies that I sing. I might not be the best singer in the world, you know, but. I know how to put it all together to make it sound like me. Right. You know, like it's me at the end of the day. And I think that your authentic voice is the most important voice. And this is what happens when you sign the labels. They'd be like, we need, we need you to give us a record like Drake. We need you to do an Anderson Pack record. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but um, it's just one of those things where, I will say to any artist in the world, just be you. Yeah. Like, just be you. Don't don't let they gonna compare you to whoever they want to, but just 
be you. You, you like have said, to. Be. You're in a rare space mm-hmm. that very, uh, got an artist hasn't been in in two decades. Man, where people don't people know what they think they want from you, mm-hmm. but they don't yeah. understand that you're organically creative. I mean, the same thing happened to D'Angelo. Yeah, going yeah. from I mean, if you listen to the the Brown Sugar record, yeah, to Voodoo, yeah, it's like Brown Sugar's like industry songs. We need you to cover sure. Smokey Robinson. Sure, got it. Yeah, and then yeah. it's like now we're gonna go. Okay, that's interesting, man. Like that that whole um, Voodoo album. So his first cousin used to manage me. Okay, and his manager Stan Poses wanted to sign me after my first album when I got out of college. Right. But the interesting thing that they both tell is this story about how Voodoo was going to flop and it was going to flop, but the video saved it. Right. Yeah, for sure. How does it feel? Because they had to. And it was just like, yo, like I was young at that time, so I didn't really understand it. Mm -hmm. I might've been like ninth or 10th grade maybe, but it was like, that was going to flop. They were like, because, no, yes. it was going well, to so flop. I, I was actually in Richmond at the time, yeah. which is where he's from, uh, when that came out. And it was going to flop because there wasn't a market for R&B on the radio. Again. There was no outlet. And what it, what needed to happen with it was, and MTV was on the way out, yeah. and what needed to happen with it was that it needed to cross over to all these different things. So what do you do? You put D'Angelo naked. Bucky butterball ass naked. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I remember my ex-wife just like getting weak in the knees first time she heard the song and seeing it. And it was just like, what are you looking at, baby? 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 <laughs> so I'll say this. We were talking about this earlier, but um, there's a fascinating era in R&B, which was like 74 and 80, where we were talking about. Where, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the thing that happened to R&B that like, you know, threw the whole thing off course is when disco happened. Yeah. And suddenly like, you know, like. The live band went from playing like lush, beautiful orchestrations that were at a certain BPM to suddenly playing everything at, you know, 130, 140. Like, okay, yeah. we're going to speed this up and double time the drum and blah, 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 blah. And you're going to sing the same thing, but it's not going to be an R&B song because right. we need right. to cross over and make this money because these, these, these disco people, we can make all this money. Boom. Let's get it. Because it's like, you know, you go from like Hermel and Blue Notes making ballads yeah. to end of Harold Melvin where it's like love I lost yeah you're right <laughs> and the eventual <laughs> disco happened somewhere in there so it's like it's fascinating because R&B never recovered fully from that mm. like there was you give okay so like you, when you give R&B too much room to like encompass too many things the very thing that R&B is best at doing doesn't have space to like thrive because there's like a hundred things that R&B could suddenly do Right. By like 1980, you're like, oh yeah, well we could do electro, we could do disco, we could do like a, a, a pop ballad, yeah. you know, like the entire Jeffrey Osborne, you know, right. Man, James Ingram collection yeah. of music, mm-hmm. like exists there. And there's a very narrow space for like R&B. And it's fascinating when you see all of these R&B stars that got the opportunity to like blow up on the first record the second record they make is almost always like a soul record mm-hmm. which is impossible to sell right. because for most people it like is a is a it's like speaking a foreign it's like it's like mm-hmm. speaking old english right i just <laughs> think that people are they're um i don't know what it is like i don't know what it is what makes people 
shy away from soul music. Like, this is a soul album. Right. But I can't even label it. The only place I can label it a soul album is on my own computer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it always has to be, like, R&B soul. And this is just a soul album. This is just uh, a... But but to to your point, it's kind of like... It is interesting. I don't... I'm always nervous when when I put an album out because I don't know how it's going to be received. Like, I don't know if people are going to understand how deep this is. But the responses I've been getting this week have been like, wow, like people have been blown away by this album. Like, you know, and I think this is going to be like a people album that's going to slowly burn over time. It's it's, it's funny. I had someone tell me this recently about the album because like I sent it out to like all my, my music loving friends. Yeah. Oh, none, of, none of whom, none of whom like soul music, which is intriguing. Okay. I'm like the one guy over here in the corner, like with my thing, and everybody right. else listens to whatever else. Right. And I'm just like listen to this record. Yeah. And they're just like, man, what is this? And I'm like, well, what do you mean, what is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, I know exactly yeah, right, what right. this is. And they're like, and then they ran through all the people that are making all the soul records right now. Mm-hmm. And they ran through like Anderson and you know like. My, Moses Sumney, mm-hmm. all these people that are making these records this year. And then they go, it's like that, but it's not. <laughs> and then you're just like, well, you, you do understand. Like, if you got rid of all of the, like, non-soulful elements yeah. in these records and you just had this person sing the song to you, you'd have the same thing. And they're just like, there are records that exist like this? You know what it is about? I kind of, I think I finally figured it out. Me and Black, we we be going back and forth. (laughs) Right. I am not a soul singer. He told me this. He was like, you're not a soul singer. He's like, you're from Ohio. You're a (laughs) funk singer. Yes. He's like, and that's the thing that people don't get. Like, they don't understand funk. Like, they don't understand these bass lines right. and the way these guitars are going in and out and the, how these voices are moving this way and that way. This is funk. You feel what I'm saying? This is this is Ohio brand. Certainly, so, certainly like, the the timber, the keyboards on yeah. the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like, this is... But I think what people don't get, like, I know I get compared um, to D'Angelo and Maxwell and Bilal a lot, but... That that ain't nothing but seventies funk, right? Like that's that's funk, man. And so I think when you pass it to your friends and they're like, "What is this?" Right? <laughs> like what it what it is? I, I sent I made them a playlist and I sent them like um sent them sweet sticky thing by the Ohio players. <laughs> you uh, them. I sent them uh, Graham Central Station. I sent them one in a million. You yeah. All these songs, because it's like the thing is funny about like it's because I was trying to like contextualize place in like soul R and B funk yeah. in that you know wheelhouse. Yeah, and there's a thing that we're like singing matters. Yeah. It's like the ability to sing the ballad, almost over sing to a level. Yeah, to the level of what the players are doing who are making who are playing the actual instruments yeah like to use the voice as an instrument to that level is a thing that almost uniquely happens because the thing that prince does early prince man especially like where it's like the voice is its own instrument 
but I have to be as good as everybody else playing on this song. Right. Which, if you listen to, like, guys from L.A. or guys from New York or guys even from Detroit, like, the voice is such that it's, like, put separate as, like, the voice just does the voice thing. Like, yeah. Diana Ross, for instance. <laughs> like, the voice is going to do the voice thing, and yeah. the players are going to play over here and do their, their musical thing. Right. And the two don't combine, but there's a thing about the Midwest, I don't know what it is, about, like, like the, the, the Midwest that's south of Detroit, yeah. like, where it's, like, the whole thing it's coalesces, static. like, it's, like, like, a, a, like, it's like, a, it's like a locomotive, like, engine thing where, Everything like... Everything works together. It's, it's like, like an assembly line. Right. You know? And the thing hits, and, like, the whole thing hits, and the voice yeah. doesn't hit separate... From, like, the music. Yeah. So it's fascinating that way, because it's, like, usually with, like, Detroit or something, like, the music hits. You're like, man. And then the voice comes over. Yeah. It's, I was talking with uh, Navasha of Fertile Ground, literally, was that yesterday? Or two days ago, I met up with her. And she's from Cleveland. Right. And her husband's from Cleveland. And we were talking about, like, the Ohio sound and how people don't understand the Ohio sound and don't understand that it's funky. So, like, even on monologue, like, that's just funk. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, it's got, sure. you know, it has... My music is funk with R&B elements and not any other way. It's not <laughs> backwards. It's not R&B with funk elements. It's funk with R&B elements. It could be soulful at times. But, like, you know, there is, like, my favorite as as singer is... a cowbell in there. Like, that should be... <laughs> that should be... That should look, be one to tell. Any that, person, even serious. if you've never heard music before, you can be like, oh, fuck, that's a cowbell. Yeah, like percussion. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think um, just going full circle when it comes to, and going back to what Ant said, like when it comes to this album sitting in this time, that's another thing about soul music and funk music is it spoke to the time. So it's not to downplay any other album. I think when I told him, like, I think I'm making the most important album this year, I wasn't saying it from a place of ego or, like, me. Mm -hmm. I was saying it from a place of, like... This is what's going on right now. And why? Nobody's saying anything But here's the thing that's interesting. Like, remember when you kept calling me and you was like... "You, You understand you finished this album February 28th. This was before... Tiki Torches in Charlottesville. This yes. was before all of the things that have kept rolling out. Mm-hmm. Like the things that kept rolling out makes the album. Right. Yeah. Like it's just like we right. were done. I, I listened to it the day of Charlottesville. Like, okay, so the day of Charlottesville happened. Day, yeah. yeah. It was mm-hmm. it was bananas. Like I just I, it that that thing hit me like a, a ton of bricks. Um shout out to Maddie Safer. I was on the phone with Maddie for like three hours. Right. Like he was despondent he had just moved back from la to yeah. new york city and he's in new york city and he's like i feel blackness because i'm in new york and right. new york just speaks to me in that way and i was like okay and he's like and then i turn on the news and then i see a black man's like feet flying in the air he's yeah like, that's crazy he's like how are you feeling i'm like this is crazy yeah and then i went outside after we hung up to be on the phone for three hours he's like I-, I need like 30 minutes to talk to you and i'm like okay three hours later i get off the phone i walk outside i walk down the street there's a, a drunk, young, white, 20-something walking down the street, millennial. And he, like, comes up to me and sees me walking down the street. And he gives me a hug. He is crying. Man. And he gave me a hug. Right. Like, out of the clear blue sky. I'm like... Wasn't expecting that. And then he's like, I'm sorry. And that's what I knew. I have to turn on your record. 
Man. We were sitting in yeah, we were sitting in a restaurant together watching yeah, it. Yeah. And I looked at him like, yeah, your record gets more relevant daily. But that's that's also when you, when you need right. some way to have like just like open up your pockets and like here, take this. Take because you can it the relevance of it is what's has always stunned me from the first listen. Mm. Um yeah, we the events we're seeing now are not unprecedented. Right. People have forgotten. So to them, that's like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. like, <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, here's a history book, kids. Let's let's look at this. And um, um, I think that's why the historical context within the album yeah. is so important. It's just like, you understand, like, this is Angela Davis. This is Nina Simone. This is Lorraine Hansberry yeah. on, on uh, mm-hmm. you know. This is Shirley Chisholm. Yep. Like, like you know, these are... To me, man, it's hard to pick like a favorite song, but I want to, I want to talk about restrictions because of the way, the way that restrictions came together. And on that record, I am speaking from watching someone outside of my window grow Mm -hmm. up in a community and get older within a community and not understand why he's stuck in this community. And then you have like Dr. Chancellor Williams come on and explain it to him. But he'll never hear it because the young people in our community don't talk to the elders. And, and, and look, that, that's a that's a very powerful statement, a very powerful thing. And again, back to the big bad theory. It's like if he could hear it, it might help. Yeah. So we know what one of the problems. We know what this guy specifically his problem is in that song. But it's like, how do you help him? And and by laying it out, by like. You can't in our current mechanism. We don't. The tools are there. We aren't using them. You hear that confusion which, in, the, in the quote which, at the end. Which, yeah, which, which, know. as we wind this down, I, I wanted to get it back to something that that is prominent on your album. It's a very loaded phrase uh, that can mean a lot of different things uh, for specifically black culture, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the idea of by any means necessary, by any means necessary, and what we normally attribute that phrase to is violence fist raised by any means necessary mm-hmm. but in listening to dialogue i think it opens up at least it did for me and on, and on restrictions and stuff is violence is an option we, is. we have to agree as much as non-violence eduardo oh, said as is. much mm-hmm. violence is always an option definitely yeah and but so is looking at all the different tools we have and what are you willing to do to help like this one person what are you willing to do this and and so by any means necessary like as far as your album goes i mean how do you see this album fitting into that sort of history of that terminology because this is a tool and 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 you know I'd, I'd love to be able to tell people like this is a great pop album. You should really do it. Right. This is yeah. not. This no, will this will listen. entertain the <laughs> fuck out of you. Yeah. But but you're right. You made the most important album of 2017. Probably the most important album of the decade. It is something that if you open up to it, you're going to learn how to I think adjust some of the things you do. Well, look at this. That's why <laughs> the internal part. Is so important. Yes. 
because you have to be ready to listen to something like this. So I can't, yes. I can't make you be ready. But is it? But it, but like, isn't isn't like good soul music an easy like trick? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, I, I was just having, I was just having fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about making babies, and then his motherfucker went ahead and said this serious Ooh, shit. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I, I talk about that with restrictions all the time because restrictions is a legitimate gem. Like, right. Malik comes in with that bass, and you're like, whoa. But then, man, Malik, like, you're screaming. <laughs> there's no economic balance. You know what I'm saying? You're like, yeah. this is a little bit different than you know. What I'm yeah. accustomed to dancing to. It's, you know, it's yeah. like that moment. It's like the closest comparative. And it's funny you bring that up because I was talking about this like at length with someone recently. The closest comparative is when you listen to Nas' album done on um, the Khaled album. And all yeah. of a sudden, Nas, who hasn't spoken a word in rap in a long, long time right. that's like relevant, goes, racial economic inequality, gotta <laughs> solve it. And you're like, yep. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? But that's the power of music. And, no, and, it's, it's, it's amazing because right. it's just like, it's like the same thing. There's numerous times yeah. on the album, especially on restrictions, where you just are like you're listening, and all of a sudden you say something, or there's a voice that says something, and you're just like, "What?" Yeah, I remember playing restrictions from Malik. I found, I found the, the Chancellor Williams, um, voice voice um over or mm-hmm. soundbite when I was in um, Germany somewhere or France. I don't know, somewhere in Europe. And I remember being in the airport, I was like, I looked at Malik, I was like, I found it. I found the gym that is going to, like, really bring this record home. Yep. And he was like, man, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which is typically I, the reaction right. we all I was, like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, was like I got you tonight. I got you tonight. I'm going to finish this on the plane, right? I did I did all, like, most of the sound bites were done while I was on tour with Black. Because yeah, yeah. I finished recording the album. I was like, I just need these sound bites to bring home. Yeah. And so, um... I remember I played Restrictions for Malik and he closed my computer after he was done. He was like, that just gave me the chills. And I was, he was like, the fact that the guy at the end still says, I don't know why I'm here. And he, he got it. He was like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't know because he, he doesn't talk to the elders. He doesn't have the education on it, you know? And we live in a society where they throw old people away. Right. Like, look at how many people are, like, dying to be young, mm-hmm. to stay young. Yeah. I'm not dying to stay young. Like, I don't want to. I'm the rare falcon, as you say. I yes. don't want to go to the club. Yes. What? I, man, hey, come on, man. I'm 34. 45 is glorious, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it is like, I got a basement. Yeah. I got people <laughs> like, come down here. What the hell? I, I, I learned that from you. you. Know, I, yeah. I still that from you. When you're like, it's always the thing with Kevin where it's like, We'll talk about doing something. And he's like, well, is it enough for me to leave the basement? I feel him. It's I always ask myself, like, is it enough for me to leave the house? I could be at the crib making some salmon, man. Right. I'm straight. Yep. Exactly. Like, straight up. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> I mean, this, <laughs> so every time he says salmon, it'll just take a shot. Everybody, yeah. So I, I'll be so, eating a lot of so, salmon. So, yeah. But, but, <laughs> it was but, delicious. It is you know? isn't, that, isn't that, like, just, again, just saying that, and putting that out, out there in the world so people know that somewhere there's a guy who can't reconcile. No, they, somewhere, they, yeah, yeah. right? And, and look at like the the Me Too stuff, mm-hmm. which is like if they, I knew it, it. Like let let's talk about the Me Too thing for a second. Okay, sure. Um, let's be real. Uh, maybe maybe because I have a sister uh-huh. and. 
like me and my sister, we talk about everything. But I mean, men are taught to be ridiculous. You're right. Towards women. You're right. It's ridiculous, man. Like I've been in a club where you just see a man just grab a woman. Yeah. Why are you touching her? Right. Why? What are you doing? But you know. But so, so the other side of that is is exactly what you're talking about in the thing because he can't see the way out of that. So to some, and I, I'm only speaking for myself. Yeah. Like I just wasn't raised like that. Me either. So it's not even like I can completely. I've seen it. I understand it exists. I know it's real. I can't figure out in my brain why you would do that. Oh. And it makes it so hard to find a solution. And that, and that goes, it, goes through, and that's what I was saying, that goes yeah. through, like, racism, mm-hmm. goes sexism, ageism, any yeah, ism you want to do it. You, like, yeah. because I, I can solve it up to here. My hand is about, like, halfway up my head. Yeah. But, uh, but because I simply can't imagine that behavior. Right. Yeah, I can. I can definitely. I can get into this a little bit. I've been thinking about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I wrote about it because I had to like get it out of my head because it was causing me to like not be able to function like in, in the work that I do. I'm just like I think about it all the time. Um, I grew up without a dad, right? And um, so I grew up without. Uh, I I missed a big chunk of wisdom. Yeah. From like yeah man to boy right. wisdom, which is a thing in the black community. That for a lot of young black men does not exist. So I found this man wisdom from wherever I could find it. And I was writing about the Me Too thing and about sexism and where we're at with it. Because Jay-Z taught me how to be a man. Mm. Like, I was 23 when Blueprint came out. Yeah. You know, September 11, 2001. Right. 23. Um, and I was single. I had money. I'm on place. I could do whatever I wanted. I was a DJ, so I was like out five nights a week. And I lived through girls, girls, girls. Right. I went back through the discography and I lived through I was like big pimping makes sense to me. Right. It's yeah. a real <laughs> song. I'm in glad my life. I'm glad he's saying this. Like all of this. And it was like as as a as a as a young man yeah. growing up. For years, everything that this man said was the rule. Yeah. And I knew better deep down inside, having been raised with all women. Right. But I never had a man in my life to vocalize to me manhood and masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's what we we look up to. Right. right. The answers that we're looking for. Right. Right. And then it was like, it was funny because it was like the 444 thing came out this year. And it was, it like blew my mind because it was like the first second that I'm I'm listening to this. And and it was funny because I didn't know why I was yelling at you about this record so much until (laughs) I had this thing happen where I was like retroactively going back through it. And I'm like, wait, this record for me was like my dad. Telling me that everything that he had taught me was, was wrong yeah. and bullshit. And I'm like, yeah. And it was like, I'll, I'll never forget the day that that album, like, that, that record came out June 30th. And I remember these, I was way with numbers and dates and stuff. And I'll never forget that whole day. I played, I played the 444 single like 11 million times. This makes a lot of sense because you were on the, uh, 
I've never been a Jay Z fan just because I missed it. Like, there are holes in your musical development, and if you don't, <laughs> if you don't ride the zeitgeist, you just don't get it. Right. Like, yeah. And yeah, and gotcha. so uh, I respect the talent and whatnot, but I could not figure out why you like that so much. And now I do understand that. But to that point, it is think about what you're talking about here. If this is like a role model, like as a father. Yeah. or stuff and, and i'm not the only one by the way right and yeah. but but, but, yeah, but whatever not... like celebrity whatever yeah. person in that mode and what you've you've done is followed like this example from here into a guy who's now is he he's 50 he's over 50 right now he's is almost he? 50 he's almost approaching, 50, yeah. Yep. approaching it he's 48 he's done way more shit than me and <laughs> that's oh, so this is that's the depressing part of yeah. getting old but uh but my point is is that so you follow him to this and and then you land on like, oh, now he's doing it right. The issue that we face is those in-between years. Why did it take him to speak correctly on this from here to here? Because he was taught the same thing. Because he was taught the same thing, right. Right. And and, and it's that gap that, like, doesn't get addressed and we we don't know how to deal with and we don't know how to figure out. Well, the thing is this. We don't live in a solution-based society. Right. We live in a, let's just talk about how bad things are. Okay, so my brothers over at Very Smart Brothers put out that article yeah, yeah, yeah. about uh, black men are the white men of yes. something. Yes, I I don't know the title. Now, I understood what they were talking about. Right. I got it. Damon yeah. is smart. I understood what he was talking about. My only gripe with it is, like all of those articles, what's the solution? Right. right. Don't you think that saying black men should do better, don't you think they would do better if they knew how to? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the problem. Right. And, and my thing is, my thing is, it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to say, I'm going to do something about it. So, what are we going to do? Let me tell you something about black men. Anyone sitting here, tell me when was the last time you saw anything that talked about the black man in a good light? It was, I was, I was writing that piece. I was trying to figure it out. And I hadn't thought of it until, and yeah. it was funny because the first thing that like, and then to speak to this, because it's like, I listen to that record and I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. Like, he's actually, like, you know, like, done. He's righted all the wrongs. Then I called up every black female I know. And I'm like, have you listened to this record? And they're like, yeah, he trash. Right. <laughs> listen. And you're just like, and I'm like, wait. Right. Listen. And I'm like, wait. But he apologized. And, 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 like, over and over and over and over and over and over and so over, let, and over let, again. Let's talk about something real quick. Because yeah. I, I have to address this. And this, this is what I mean, like... No solution. So if you want to really talk about why, maybe why Restrictions is probably the most powerful record Mm -hmm. on the album, is my man Olise, we're we're working on a video for Generation. Olise is Nigerian. I remember I came into, it's interesting to like talk with people about the album because again, it's just, I don't know what's going to hit him. So he's like Restrictions is the best thing that you've ever done in your life. So we, we're working on the Generations video, right? And he turned to me, he says, you know what the hardest line is on the album? 
And I'm like, what? I'm thinking we're talking about generations. Yeah, He's like, yeah. it's all restrictions. And I was like, what is that? The hustlers and gangsters, I know them well. They tried to recruit me since I was 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like, that thing gave me the chills. He was like, he talked about Nigeria and being in Nigeria and the genocide that he saw. He was talking about like the first time he saw someone killed and how normal that was at 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. He was talking about how they were recruiting people. He was like, it's just like in the States. He was like, when did, when did someone try to get you to be in the gang? I was like, around 12, mm-hmm. 11. So riddle me this. How many girls you know that are recruited to be in gangs? One ten. It doesn't happen like right, that. Exactly. Because whole different number. The the women, the thing about women raising a family, they protect their girls. They try their best to protect their boys, but it takes a man to do that. But if we have been disenfranchised as a people, who's gonna protect the man? Right. All right. So when we talk about college numbers and we talk about well, the black woman is doing this, this, and that. And I praise the black woman. Like, they killing it. Like, they, they kill it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it. It's amazing. I love it. It's incredible. But I'm also at an advantage because I had a father. Right. And I had someone that put me on the right path. And I had parents that showed me both sides of the coin. Like, yes, you could live like this, but you better respect people. You know, we, we are these people. You feel what I'm saying? Like, right. I come from right. this. You come from this. All right. Yeah. So when you look at it and it's just like how many black men are taken out at such a young age, if it ain't the streets, it's molestation. Right. Which, and then we're taught to not talk about nothing. Right. So when a black woman is like, tell me how you feel, how can a man tell you how they feel when they've never known how to do it? Right. Mm-hmm. So there's all of these things. I've killed like five relationships in my life, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, shout, out to, shout out to all the black women that <laughs> deal with me. But here's the thing. That, that's very similar to the white community, except for one big and very important difference. Okay. It, white supremacy. Mm. That we don't have to deal with. Mm. We all yeah. deal with these same things, except yeah. for that layer that me doesn't have to deal with, unless I choose yeah. to engage, yeah, to either fight or join it. Like I, I don't know, but, you know, it it is. Um... And, and go ahead. I'm I sorry. think when you have that extra layer, you got like a hopa meter, and it's sitting right here, fucked up shit. But then you put that on top, and it just levels it out. Yeah, and like I said, I think we, I, th- I think we talk about it. I think we don't figure out solutions. I think we don't want to name the actual just, just what it is. A lot of times when it's bad, because then you have to come up with a solution. Right. See, the thing is reaching back down, which somebody right. said, yeah. Marcus, right. yeah. reaching back down. So it's like my thing is, it's great to say black men need to do better. You know, what's greater than that saying, and we're gonna go and mentor kids in in dc you know what i'm saying we're gonna we're gonna do this Mm -hmm. and we're gonna do that we're gonna go mentor some of these black boys we're gonna bring them in we're gonna show them how to be gentlemen we're gonna say hey another thing like when he talked about jay-z i remember growing up my mom used to like break all my cds with parental advisory on it (laughs) (laughs) shouts out moss yeah you know but the one thing i remember one it's amazing what you remember from your childhood i remember my brother was playing like AAU ball and we took a trip to Scranton PA and my dad was one of like the coaches on the team 
and my dad was driving. They was like, we don't want to listen to like no oldies, you know, Coach Ab. We want to listen to the new Biggie album. He was like, all right, put it on. Like my dad is like a guy fearing church going man. Right, all right? exactly. So, so we, we yeah, so Somebody we die. yeah, we yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> we opened it up and I just remember my dad after we finished, he was like, that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you know. He was like, this is what y'all this is what y'all want to hear. He was like, he was uh, like, you know what? Oh. I'm glad you like it. He was like, I hope all of you know that this is false. Mm-hmm. This is he was like, this is something that you should not aspire to do. Yeah. He was like, even if this person is doing this, this is something you shouldn't want to do. Right. I remember I remember um my my mom walked in on me listening to I can't remember the first song on DMX second album. Man, that's a gruesome song. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. You know, flesh my flesh. Blood of my blood. blood. Yeah. yeah. And she just looked at me and said, Why? <laughs> I think every- Everybody has that moment. I yeah. think for me, it was my mom walking in on the, the Wu-Tang torture skit. Just being like, <laughs> why? What are, you, what are you doing? Like, like, what are you why do you, this man is talking about having sex with a corpse. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know? and, and the reason the reason why, though, is because things like that, <laughs> they're ridiculous. But they, <laughs> but they, they are kept that da- people don't have a dialogue about them in their family. Whether you're talking about and, drug use, whether you're talking about sexism, you ta- you any of this stuff. So if you can, uh, my parents sort of ignored that stuff with me but they, i mean they were really like tight-lidded yeah they didn't have music in the house so i had to go out and find it all and i found the expectantly you know middle class white dudes a lot of yes is what i'm saying <laughs> uh, but, but i remember i remember working and uh uh worked at a legacy department store as a stock guy and there's another kid there and he wanted to get out he went to liberty university okay oh my god mm. yeah kicked out of liberty university for they caught him listening to guns and roses appetite for destruction in his headphones Oh, come on, but man. but come here's on. the thing to the albums you're talking about. If you go back to 1987 when that came out, yeah, man. and think about hearing that, it's back when metal was scary. Yeah, and yeah. you hear that and you see the cover. Yeah, I forget who the artist was, but it's it's a famous cover. You can't it's, get it's it. Across, right. no, 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 no. This is this is of the uh, woman who was clearly raped. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and, and a robot coming up with like knives for teeth and blood. Right, right, right. And, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. It's a brutal image, and it's it's uh. it, back in the day it was referred to as metal as fuck. But but those things you see because and they exist because they simply exist in our world. Yeah, and it's up to you to figure out, and the people who guide you and the people around you. To put judgments and values on that. Yeah. And if you move towards a value of stuff like celebrating stuff like what you guys are talking about, mm-hmm. then, yeah, your dad's right. That's ridiculous. You right. shouldn't do that. <laughs> <He was> like, <laughs> like, but, but when yeah. you have nobody to, to step in and say that. And that's what that's Marcus's point. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, I had it. I had a father like he came home and was like, man, like, what are you listening to? Mm-hmm. Like, even the fact that they were like on one accord, like, yeah. go talk to your son about this. DMX guy with you should see the, <laughs> the album cover. You should see the cover. Album cover. I was about to say, you should see the cover. Like he's covered in blood and clearly Aaron likes this guy. I don't know why. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I did. I was the biggest. I was a Dark Man X fan. But now it's funny, like, even going back, like listening to those records, I'm like, 
I can't. I can't listen to it's, X, yeah. even though I still love X. No, it's, like, I love X. It's, I mean, it's fascinating. What type like, of games is being played? How's it going down? It's, oh. Still, one of God. my favorite joints, which makes no sense because that song is ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, here, look, look, like, look how ridiculous that is. Oh, this is the we're looking at the yeah. cover of the Guns and Roses. No, it's 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 what is this? Bananas. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that looks so crazy. Like, uh, that's fantasy art, right. and, and if yeah. you if you look at that and be like, okay, this guy has artistic talent. He's yeah. saying something. I don't know what the fuck he's saying, <laughs> but he's, he's saying something here. But if you look at it. And just be like, just face value. That's look. cool. All right. I think that's. I think that's. That's how I picture. That's where women should be. So, there's something wrong with you. And <laughs> there is. But but and and that gets perpetuated just yeah. endlessly. We live in a patriarch society too, yeah. so we gotta we gotta look so at that little, too. So, so this is crazy. Up. Like I grew up initially listening to all the R and B songs. Like I was raised strictly in R and B and gospel. Mm-hmm. Now I discovered metal. I, I discovered like I discovered like like you know like kind of like synth pop. For a little bit, okay. I was picked on as a, as a child. Believe it or not, <laughs> shock and surprise, I was picked on as a child. So I was like, okay, so like you know, I I like start to vest, like, you know, go in different directions than my friends. Like my friends were got, I got into rap after being into like synth pop and being heavily influenced by metal, but it never yeah. spoke to me. I, I always thought it was fun. Yeah, like I thought that metal was fun music because I'm like, there are girls in the videos and these guys are just like astounding. You're just like, man. Sebastian Bach is a dude. Like he's just like there's just luxurious. He's just dude it up. And the first the first rapper, like I said, that hit me and spoke to me and I was like, I want to live his life was Jay Z. Like I I thought Biggie was dope. I like as like I grew I grew to appreciate lyricism. Yeah. By listening to Biggie. I'm like, Biggie could tell a story. I'm like story, he could tell man. the hell out of a story. This is great. Then it was like when I heard like Cashmere Thoughts at twenty two twos, I was like <laughs> Okay, and I was like 18 and freshman in college, and it's like, and I and this is another point in my life where I'm like totally free, and I'm like, yeah. there's just girls everywhere, and like life is amazing. I'm just like, I don't have to go to sleep ever. I can stay up for four years, and nobody can tell me anything. This <laughs> yeah. is dope. I have a job. I have money. I, I can just live. I mean, and then it was like, yeah, Cashmere Thoughts came on. I was like, oh. That's life. But, but don't you? I mean, I could win. But like, escape, <laughs> escape is necessary, guys. Right? Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In anything, like how you do it, and 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 we all know that people have like unhealthy habits. Yeah. Right. But it's not everything. If you don't have any morality to balance it off, you of, don't have any morality to balance. That's the, that's the thing. That's I mean, why I think, about morality. Yeah. Kind of talking about metal being scary. Like just last week, a uh, Polish metal band decapitated, is charged with kidnapping and rape. Yeah. They were so metal that they said, "Here's what we're gonna do." We're gonna kidnap and rape two girls. Wow! And metal as fuck. Right. What happened? That's terrible. So, so the question is, what happened from the time they fell in love with music? Because look, they're in touch with art. They're making art. They move them along there. That there is no way to avoid getting to this point. I think that it starts when you're younger, man. I think it does too. And like to, to my man Chris, like we always talk about the values that our parents instilled in us, not by what they said, mm-hmm. but what they did. Yep. You know, I think that's the, that's the important thing. And then when you become 18 and you leave your parents' right. house, like I think one of the greatest things that's happening right now in a black community or in the, in the uh, middle-class black community is people's willingness to go to therapy 
shout out to Issa Rae mm-hmm. and like all of these shows that are like showing like, hey, you know what? I kind of got some unresolved issues that I, I need to iron out, you know, around my parents and, you know, yep. what I saw and the expectations I had of them and some of the things expectations that, I have of black people in general. Yeah. You know, right. there you go. So there, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah there, well. There's man. We this is where I talk about the disenfranchisement of our people, like how our people are disenfranchised and all of the things that happen, all of the things that we're talking about. So when like Jay-Z is like Scarface, the movie did more than Scarface, the rapper to me. So he's like saying like, y'all trying to blame us for your kids, <laughs> which is, I right. feel him on that. Like, yeah. yeah. Like I listened to Jay-Z and right. I was okay because my dad was able to tell me like, Hey, <laughs> no, right. you know, nah. the big, this isn't, this Never isn't mind. like, or my mom sent me down like, you know, this isn't reality, you know? And, you know, I'm sure a rapper can fire back at me like, this is my reality. Right. And it could very well be. But yeah. from my moral standpoint, I don't ever want that to be my. Right. I don't I don't want that to be because this is a human being. Yeah. Like this one. I don't want a bunch of like this. Right. isn't this, I had to like unlearn right. so much Unlearning. Yeah. between like between like 30 and 39. I'm 39 right now. Mm-hmm. I've had to like unlearn a decade of my life. I hear you. Like, and, and it's funny, like listening to your album, your album came at like the perfect point because mm. it was like I emptied the vessel. Yeah. Now I'm refilling the vessel. Yeah, I feel that. And then yep. you have this music that's like playing with all the stuff that I'm filling it up with, and it's there. And I'm like, oh, soundtrack, bang, that's I'm good. Dope. Like that's real. Like it's like, oh yeah, dope. Like that's dope. I, I love hearing that, man. See, it's real tight. And and I think like, okay, so let's. You guys know we could do this all night, <laughs> right? Cause, yeah, because yeah. the thing <laughs> we're, we're at two and a half hours. Because yeah, so, yeah, the thing is, okay, so I'm going to try to bring it home okay. with this dialogue. I now understand that dialogue. Okay, number one, dialogue initially was created. To for me to have a conversation with the past to create a better future. Right. Yep. So it's like to talk to the elders in the past to get to the future. I'm talking with these sound bites and we're helping relay this message to say we have to get to a better place as a people. Right. And not just black people. Right. This country has to understand that number one, we're not going back to Africa. You brought us here. Right. All right. We're here to we we <laughs> right. built we They're built this country. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You mm-hmm. America got it to be a superpower country because it was built on free labor. Yep. All right. So let's be 100 about that. So we're here. All right. But then it started turning into something else and it started turning into this thing of like. There's so much to unpack right. within this album, like if you keep returning to it, it will keep returning to you. And the thing is, how can someone, so you talk about like all of the stuff that you've had to like unpack. Right. right. How much stuff, we we had parents that were together. How much stuff have we had to unpack in this new generation? Lots. It don't, I'm going to let him talk. Does it matter that your parents were together when you're out here dating? No, it does not. (laughs) No, it absolutely does not. It does does inform just the way that I move about you know, my life and my interactions. I think 
that's one of the things that makes us really close is that our family dynamic is really the same too. Like right. middle child, both parents, yeah. both parents were together. Yeah. You know, younger sister, like there's, there's a lot of the dynamics right. that are similar. The commonality so, of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, we can relate to a lot of those things. And when I talk about that aspect of it, it's just like, you know, it was, it was, it was more for me improving as a person and them making sure that, you know, I had the tools to be a good person out in the world. Right. You know what I'm saying? And this kind of speaks to villain in me, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Where it's just like, they gave me the tools. Yeah. You know, they, they you know, don't know if I'm going to go out there and actually be a piece of shit person, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they give me the tools to actually live like I should. That's one of the things that I respect about this man. Because even in our conversations, I feel like I've improved as a person, just on a friend level. And so yeah. that same sentiment is in the, is in the record. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because people listen to it and they feel like empowered. That's one of the that's one of the main things that they say when they come back. It's like, I feel empowered. I feel hopeful. You know, yep. I feel inspired. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is all due to his character as a person. And that's what's resonating through this album. I think that's why it's touching people in the way that it is. I, I hundreds percent subscribe to that newsletter that you are you're yeah. pitching <laughs> yeah because yeah that's that's i think that's what it is yeah. you know yeah, i'm gonna i have to tell the whole food story because i did yeah, the whole yeah, food yeah. story right. two yeah. and a half hours yeah. later because right. 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 i i that. did yeah. say right. something about this so going back to restrictions the whole food story so i'm able to go to the new whole foods on eighth street and I can now bypass the Safeway, which the song East of the River, it didn't make the album. You've heard it. Yes. You've heard it. Yeah. It was one of the second records right. done on the album yes. and it didn't make it. But um, East of the River stems from this rotten produce right. in the grocery store. Um, let's talk about gentrification and and how it's... Yeah, Whole Foods especially. It struggle. It, it makes... Man, it, it just hurts black people. Period. So yeah. I'm in Whole Foods. I'm getting, you know, my food, trying to eat healthy. Right. There's a black woman in line in front of me. She's an older black woman. And I mean, she got, I was like, I, I see you out here. Like she had all, she had healthier stuff than me, you know? <laughs> and so she's checking out, you know, her likes bill comes up to like $80 or so. And um, she hands the lady her EBT card. And the young girl says, oh, I'm sorry, man. We don't take EBT. And she's like, what do you mean you don't take EBT? And she was like, we don't take EBT cards. And she was like, this is money given to me by the government every month. She was like, it's money. So how does Whole Foods not take EBT? Right. Now, let me let me show you like the disadvantage of both people in this context. It's Whole Foods, but it's a black young girl. Right. She don't have the answers. She can't answer this older black woman. The manager, young, right. black, all she could do is come out there and say, I'm sorry, ma'am, it's Whole Foods policy. We don't take EBT. And the lady turns and was like, I'm going to let you know right now, I have cash to pay for this. She was like, but if you look right across the street, what does that say? What's across the street? And she's like, I don't know, ma'am. I don't know what's across the street. 
You know the EBT buildings across the street, right? Right, right there, right across from the Whole Foods yeah. is the EBT building. You feel what I'm saying? She's like, she was like, so let's let's just be clear. You guys come into our community. You build a grocery store. You tell us we supposed to eat healthier. You tell us you got to do y'all got high blood pressure and all of this stuff because y'all don't eat right. So I'm trying to eat right. And the government's giving me money to eat right. Right. And you don't take it. How does that work? That's heartbreaking. Yep. That's heartbreaking. I was so (laughs) I was so mad. I'm mad right now talking about it like she's like. So what y'all want me to do? She was like, here, here's $80. She takes the money out. She was, but what she was, the point that she was driving home is y'all want us to eat rotten produce. That's what you, you know what I'm saying? That's what y'all want. 7-Eleven, except, except CBT. Just want to point this out. Come on. And they have a fully, they have a fully built out like menu now. Come on. Literally in the front of the store. It's like. It's a real thing. This is Whole Foods. This is supposed to be like. The top tier right. grocery yeah. store. It's not accept EBT. They don't. They don't accept EBT. That lady had really? that. That lady had to reach into her pocket and pull out that money to pay for that food. And now she might not return to it. But then this is this is how restrictions work. Where they'll be like, "This is how Fox News works." Well, yeah. why don't you just go to Whole Foods? No, exactly. right, what's, even, what's even crazier though is that there's a giant two doors down that accepts EBT. Yep. But the quality of the food probably isn't the same in perception right. as if you're going to Whole Foods. And, you know, with freedom being what it is, you should be able to be free to go and do as you please. And yep. Hence restrictions. Yeah. So it's like, it's those things that I'm singing about, man. It's, it's so, there's some, you, we could talk about the, um, the black boys that were selling water on Capitol Hill that got arrested. Yeah. 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 Water. <laughs> Where they, they sell water in the hood all the time. Right. You'll see them right on Minnesota and Benning mm-hmm. passing out water. Them black boys were smart. They was like, you know where we can make more money? Tourists. Where the tourists Ooh, come. Yep. come. There it is. Those are smart black men try, just trying to make a living. They yep. didn't know that there were rules or restrictions yep. that, hey, guess what? To sell water down here, you have to have a permit. That's restrictions, man. Because they're not giving them no permit. Nope. Right. Crazy. That's it. Like, that's what it is. So when I say <laughs> there's no economic balance, disadvantages are challenge. Don't you turn your back. What you look down on, you created that. That's what that's about. Yeah. They created it. We didn't create it. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So I think like with this album, it's more like it's hard truths. And again, I don't know if I don't know if people are ready to open up to that. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's hope so. It's come uh, to it. It's there. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's, there, it's there. It's there. But sometimes it could be. It might be a little too deep. Well, in an era of disposable content, there's at least one album that's out there that's actual like non-disposable content, which I think is the yep. thing that makes it stand out. I think that's the beauty of it is it definitely lives up to its title in just so many different ways like each 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 song is a discussion in itself even the way that it's being rolled out without this i always felt like the weight of the album deserves more than just like commercials about it 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just like, you know, album out now. It was, I, it was I wanted re- people to talk about it. It was know? really a thing. And, and when we were talking about this, and it was like, how the fuck do we talk about this album? Gus is yeah. like, sup, Ab? Yeah, what's happening? <laughs> All right, the catch uh, is rolling. You know, how the fuck do we talk about this? Uh, and and I think the way we do it is all said and done now. It's been almost five hours. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Talking about um, this, uh, and you should internalize this, this masterpiece. Man, wow. You made a masterpiece. And wow, it doesn't... Thank you. That's... Like I like I said, it it came through me. I'm I am I'm learning still from it. It came man. through you, and you know what? Maybe it'll never come through you again. It doesn't matter because yeah. you did this. This is here. Yeah. So the final gem is. You guys talked about this on the last show, and there's yeah. there's been a couple of people All picking right. up on it that I think yes. is so. Yeah. I'm so glad that people are picking up on this. If you put the whole album on repeat, yep, it's a perfect donut. And the reason it's a perfect donut, the reason why you get to villain in me, this is done purposely. You get to villain in me and it wraps back around a daily prayer. It's because black people live in a groundhog day. And that's just it. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that, I think that's it. Uh, thank you guys for coming. Glad, glad you came up from Nola, Chris. Oh man, man. Glad, no glad, problem. Glad no to problem, meet man. you. Glad you brought him by. But first yeah, I was like, what are you bringing man. somebody else? We just can't talk to you. Shout out to the, uh, the unofficial A&R Christian yeah, Porter. Yeah, you, you know, uh, we love you here. If you, any, anytime you want to come by and talk about anything. And I mean literally anything. There is a mic for you here. Word. Or if you just want to hang out and eat. I'm, I'm in, man. I got to come back. I got to come back more. You know All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. There you have part two of our uh, sprawling discussion with Mr. Aaron Abernathy. Thanks again to him um, for spending the time, not just to make the album, but to, to hang out with us, talk with us about us, about about this, to have a uh, have an actual dialogue. Uh, this dialogue continues like in our emails with him. Hopefully, it continues with you. I've heard a little feedback from the first one. And I, I'm happy some of you are engaging and thinking a little more about this stuff. Uh, specifically, you know, the uh, we're going to be talking on Monday about an album. This is t- completely unintentional. Um, but we're going to be talking on Monday about an album that attempts uh, similar statements on uh, on social issues in in 2017, and is the uh, is the other side of this, the ineffective, the the wrong side uh, of this, and um, which is unfortunate, because I think every every try should be rewarded. That's a very millennial thing to say. And I'm not a millennial, but uh, I, I think in this case, the the effort is is worth it, even if you fail. Um, and in general, that's that's life. Um, but uh, fail this album did not Ab's album. Uh, we're talking about Margaret Price's album. And uh, so 
So we're going to get to that and, and have the little bookend to this. And then basically just continuing the dialogue, kids. And, uh, and yeah. So that's it. That's our podcast for uh, this week. Uh, the bonus podcast here, the uh, part two of our conversation with Aaron Abernathy. If you like what you heard, uh, first things first, spread it around. Tell your friends. Have them listen to it. Send it to them. Burn it to a CD or an HD CD or a, uh, put it on a Pono player. I don't know. Do, it, do whatever you want with it. It's available for download up at pippa.io, our, our uh, podcast hoster. And uh, there is the only place you can download it. You can't download it from the site. Um, and uh, But really, go in Apple Music and listen to it. Leave a message. Leave a rating. This is how people sort of get enticed into our little world. And uh, you can also listen to it on Google Play, Mixcloud, and Stitcher, Stitcher Radio. We've been friends with them for about five, six years now, and they're, they're, they're doing a good job. They were one of the early ones out of the gate where it's uh, giant podcast aggregator and uh and they're pretty legit unlike a lot of other ones but neither here nor there um like i said coming up in the uh, next week or so we have uh we're going to be talking about margaret price's all american made and then on thursday we're going to be talking with andrew co representative of girls against so this is a uh this is an organization that is fighting against and trying to raise awareness for uh, sexual harassment and sexual assault in the music spaces. We had a great, great panel on that one and great discussion. Myself, Andrew, Aaron Frisbee from Fuzz Queen, uh, Eduardo, who you know, and uh, Marcus Dowling, who you know. Uh, so that's coming up on Thursday. And then we get into the last push, guys. We get into um, November, which I don't know. There's too many albums left to talk about. So maybe we'll get weird. I know we're going to be talking about some Steely Dan. And uh, I know we're going to be talking about some Sade. So so hang in. Tune in. It's going to be fun. Let's finish up 2017. Uh, that is it. We are out of here. Uh, really, I, and again, I can't re- reiterate. Internalize this discussion. Internalize this album. Think about it. Take some time. And then talk to your friends about it. Talk to your people about it. And uh, just keep spreading the word, uh, which is actually the word of, of um, uh, be kind. Learn how to be kind and stop hating. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a start to get this out of this institutionalized systemic uh, brand of hate in America. What I'm saying, people, is be good to your ears, but be very, very good to your people. We will talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>